Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. Hey, how's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle, episode 36. Jamie Eads joining you as always. Thanks so much for tuning in. We certainly do appreciate it. We have a great episode for you today. One of my personal favorites, the great Brad Morgan from Drive-By Truckers will be joining us here in just a second uh, to get everybody caught up on all the goings on in DBT land. So please stay tuned. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Los Cabos drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com Follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Lost Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned in the intro, going to be joined by uh, the great Brad Morgan of Drive-By Truckers fame. Um, Brad and I had the good fortune to play on a festival show together a couple of years back and uh, he was just such a gracious guy uh, we we had such a great conversation that day uh, and when I started this show I you know I thought to myself I really need to get Brad on the show but the drive-by truckers just tour constantly these guys are always on the road so it's it, it took a little bit of time but we finally got Brad on here he's going to talk a little bit about uh, their current recording project that they're doing down at Sam Phillips uh, recording in Memphis um, just a great conversation I hope you'll enjoy it please help me welcome Brad Morgan to the drum shuffle hey good afternoon Brad how's it going today oh I'm doing great Good, good. Hey, uh, thanks so much for taking time to come on the Drum Shuffle. We appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm just happy somebody wants to interview me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't usually get interviews. Well, I, you know, being in a band with uh, with Patterson Hood and Mike Cooley, I, I'm assuming they get the lion's share of the uh, oh, yeah. of the press. But oh, yeah. the drummers need some love too, so we're we're glad to glad to have you on here. Um, you know, I've been trying to do this for a little bit of time, but um, Brad, what we typically do is we we start at the beginning. Um, I know you've said this. A billion times before but tell our audience how you got into music and became a drummer well i guess it's i mean when i was a little like you know toddler age and stuff i loved drums um because it was like the easiest and natural thing to do there wasn't a lot of music in my house i mean we had records and stuff but my family was not really you know they didn't play instruments or anything like that so i, I was the only one but my parents like they, they saw how much i loved doing it and it really kept me busy you know they 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 didn't have to worry about me they knew i was they could hear me i'm, I'm playing drums in my room for hours they didn't have to worry about i was somewhere in the neighborhood or something or getting in any trouble but when a uh, sixth grade i started band class and there was like 50 drummers and it was ridiculous to go into class and i was the worst one i was horrible 
And slowly through the year of sixth grade, like about two to five drummers would quit every week. So it got down to about 10 drummers. And then seventh grade, I was still loving drums so much that uh, my, uh, my parents, they surprised me on my birthday with a, with a CB700 kit. Man. I love that kit, you know, and then, um, so I would just play all the time. I have two sisters and it drove them insane. We got <laughs> lots of fights, you know, but I'd come home from school and that's all I'd do is just play drums. Um, you know, whatever was on the radio, whatever tapes I had, or, uh, I would just play anything. And so I kept doing that. And then finally, when I was like 15, one of my, my sister's like four years older than me and one of her her high school friends came over and you know, it was like, you know, we're starting a band and she's like, Oh, my brother plays drums. I'm 15 years old and I'm small, you know, I'm a little bit, little bit fella, but he came over to the house and he heard me play. And, and I didn't know he was doing that. And so he's like, Hey, you want to join the band? I was like, sure. And so I just played with him and all those guys were like four to six years older than me. So, you know, they were buying beer and all this. So I, I was kind of introduced to all that very young, but you know, I, I put it in its place. It, it, it didn't affect me. And uh, so that band, we just practiced all the time. We had three shows in four years, and we practiced maybe, you know, 10 to 12 hours, five days a week. It was, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it was, it was, I even had appendicitis once um, when I was 18, and we practiced for like six hours, and I just couldn't move to my right anymore. I just stayed, you know, in the hi-hat and snare, and I didn't know what was going on with me, and, and so... Then I was trying to drive home and I couldn't make it. I was like, okay, I won't have to go to the hospital for this. But and but you know, once I just love playing. I, I love playing with with musicians. I, I especially love playing with songwriters. That's why I love Patterson and Cooley so much because they just you know it's they're always writing so many songs. And but then after that, I uh, kind of left that band. Um, started in this kind of heavy metal band in the early '90s. Um, we were, weren't very popular, but we, we played a lot. And then uh, about 22, I, I got fed up with the music scene that I was living in, and so I moved to Atlanta. And so I auditioned for probably like 30 bands, and all of them really sucked. It was just a horrible time for Atlanta, you know, to be auditioning for bands, I guess. It was just not, not too much fun. But I finally found some guys that I liked playing with. So I did that for a while, and then it was just nothing was going on and then I auditioned for a band in Athens, Georgia which at the time Athens was like you know home of REM and B-52s and you're just like man that's very intimidating but I auditioned um, I, I got the gig but then the drummer didn't want to leave that was in the band so a year goes by and so I'm at home in Greenville, South Carolina working for my parents and just like miserable then I get the call like oh the drummer left like can you come tomorrow, you know, and I, I just moved immediately, found a place, a little room to rent here and got a job working at Domino's Pizza and just became involved in the Athens music scene, played in like five bands at one point, uh, played at this little club called Hi-Hat, which Patterson Hood was the sound man for, and he was also <laughs> friends with, he had a band with the guys that I played with and, and hung out with all the time. Um, this was before the truckers. And Patterson just moved to town. And so one day I was playing at the hi-hat club and he came up to me after the show. He's like, look, you know, my drummer, he, you know, he's in a couple bands and everything, which I'm like real good friends with his drummer anyway. He's like, you know, so he can't make some shows. Do you mind subbing, you know, like coming, you know, because Patterson, he was, he's still driven, but he was just super driven then. And I could see that. And I was like, yes, anytime you want me to play, I will be there. So, uh, that went on for about a year. I think that was like 98. The band was already about two years old. I, uh, and then the, the drummer couldn't make a show. He didn't know about the show. And I got a call from a friend's house because back then you didn't have cell phones or anything. So they had to find you on landlines. Patterson called me. He's like, look, we got a show in Atlanta today. And it's like, can you meet us there? You know, and I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll pack my drums up. I'll be there in like two hours. So we did the show, and after that, he was like, why don't you just be our drummer, since you're always available. And so I got in the van, and we, like, left for three months. <laughs> and, you know, I never really, I, the only times I went out of town on tour, it was horrible. I mean, almost killed and and, um, <laughs> and, and uh, West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia one time. It was like, 
and I went with another band one time, and we almost got killed at a gas station from some drunk redneck that was beating up his girlfriend. <laughs> and then he started hitting our van with a half of a pool cue, you know, pool stick. I was, you know, and then when I when I went out with the truckers, though, it was it was. You know, it was, it was a lot easier. There's still, like, you know, crazy things that happen, but you had these guys that, you know, we're all in it together. But then, you know, we're just always on the road. I'd come home. I'd work my job. Luckily, my boss was like, yeah, anytime you need to leave, you know, you come out work construction. So it was pretty relaxed. And so we just, I, we left. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we just we just stayed on tour for months. So really, the last time I worked a job, what, you know, they wasn't playing music. Um was uh, uh, 9-11 in 2001 because we had an, uh, the uh, rock opera was being re-released the, the, on the 12th. So we had to be in New York the next day and all this was going on in New York. So it was, it was a p- pretty weird time. Um, well, I mean, you yeah, know, I and you guys have pretty much been on tour since that that time. I mean, you guys are on the road all the time. Now, you know, my indoctrination to the truckers was, of course, Southern Rock Opera. You know, the mm-hmm. the, the first two records that, that had come out, I, I guess you weren't on the first two records that... Uh, Matt, were, Matt Lane was on, on both those records. Right. Um, but of all things, I was sitting in a waiting room someplace. I can't even remember where. And I was reading Maxim Magazine. And Mm -hmm. they had done a review of Southern Rock Opera and they were like, you know, you wouldn't think Maxim magazine would be in touch with that kind of record, you know, quite honestly. Um, Yeah, really. But they were like, run out and grab this record. And, you know, it, it told the story, you know, they they made the comparison of the Leonard Skinner undertone, you know, and of course, you know, I grew up playing in Southern rock bands. So I was like, well, I got to go check this out. So I, I picked it up literally probably a week or two after 9-11. You know, I, I remember mm-hmm. grabbing the record and putting it on and went, holy crap, this is what I've been waiting for. You know what I mean? It was just, oh, yeah. um, it was so different than anything else at that time. And, and your guys' arc just, uh, you know, exploded from that point. So, you know, I say all that to get to a, to a decent question, and that is when it was re-released, you know, you're, you recorded the record, it's re-released, things started happening, was all that just a blur to you or did you know, okay, now my drumming is on the radio, you know, I'm starting to get attention or was it just keeping up day to day? It's pretty much keeping up day to day, not really looking back, just kind of keep, keep you out going forward. Um, I, I just, you know, i I've never really like, I'm not a, uh, like, there's master drummers, there's educators, there's people that really know drums and I'm not that kind of guy. I respect, love it, love watching it. I mean, it's like porn. It's just incredible watching what these, these tricks these guys can do. Um, so I was just more, I mean, I had, a, when playing truckers then, it was just a three piece drum kit, whatever would fit in the van or trailer. Um, and, and whatever symbols or whatever I could find at, at you know, pawn shops and stuff. Cause on a, three month, two month tour, you're going to go through a symbol, you know, you're going to break something. And especially as loud as we were, I mean, we were so loud and just keeping it simple seemed easier. Even to this day, I, I just did a month long tour with Desky trucks where we uh, were in the middle of those, that tour. I started off with like a five piece set. And by the end of it, I just stripped it down to a three piece. I just got tired of tuning. <laughs> it just it just it was annoying me. So I just go back to three pieces. It's just easier this way. Well, and, and you know that's one of the things that that I find so endearing about you. You know, a couple years back, you guys were doing a festival here locally, and and my band was was on the bill with you guys, and and we were you know talking that morning. You were setting up your own kit, tuning your own kit. Oh. I mean, you you oh, do, yeah. you know you don't have I, a drum tech out on the road with you. <laughs> No, I have an alternate personality that I use. I call him Ted. <laughs> He's my drum tech, and he, uh, yeah, he goes in. I've actually fooled a couple of the local crews. You know how they hire local guys to sure. do all the heavy stuff and help you set up on stage and stuff. 
and I don't really talk. I, I'm listening to everybody on the stage. I want to make sure that my, my crew guys are getting along with their crew guys, and I don't want any arguments because it just makes everything bad. There's really no reason for that. Um, but I just love setting up my drums because it just always feels like the first day I got a drum set, you know, yeah. setting your drums up. Or if you move them somewhere, you like setting them up tearing them down i hate i hate tearing down a drum set <laughs> and so i don't do that part but you know i'm setting up for one of these shows and you know and then as soon as i get done i walk off the stage and then some of the local guys are asking my crews like so so the drum text is gone like he's he, he's not gonna do anything else and, <laughs> and then they told him they were like yeah he, he's a he's a drummer's twin brother and you know he, he just does what he wants so, oh yeah. that's so, fantastic yeah. So by the end of the night, when they're tearing down the drums and they're like, where's the drum tech? Why ain't he tearing down these drums? Because that's usually the last thing they leave on stage while they're packing everything up. And they were like, oh, yeah, the drummer, uh, the drum tech won't come out here. He, he's, you know, he's, he's done for the day. <laughs> and, uh, and they were all like, man, that must be a sweet gig. So, Y'all, that's fantastic. But, I mean, you know, it, I, I just thought it was, it was really cool. You, I, I mean, certainly you could take somebody out with you these days to do all that for you. And I just, you know, and, and you and I just kind of stood backstage and, and talked about drums, you know, I mean, it was yeah, just, kinda. it was just so cool. You know, I'm here, I am standing next to the, you know, the great Brad Morgan talking drums, you know, on a festival right. gig. I appreciate that. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, you know, I, I think that your situation, and I want to quote this correctly, but um, the the great you know kind of documentary that you guys put out a few years back called "The Secret to a Happy Ending." Um, mm-hmm. You said in there, you know, you, you did kind of like a little brush lick on a snare drum, and you said that's the closest thing to a drum solo you're going to get out of me. You, you, and still to this day, it's the <laughs> the most I've ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but being in a band with guys like Patterson and Cooley, um, who are just prolific songwriters, and they complement each other so well, but they have their own unique voices, you kind of get to be um, two different drummers in that band, you know. But you're, definitely, but definitely. you're always serving the song. Talk a little bit about the writing process do they come in with completed songs or are they just ideas and say okay brad arrange this well back in the day it was more um well patterson writes all the time so he's always got a song uh pooley it takes him a little while but his song it's it's a bigger punch you know like when he writes a song he wrote a song um so there was not with cooley's songs about 90 percent of them i'll start um, so I got to really know the tempo and, and make sure that, you know, I know what song we're playing. Cause we don't really, we don't use a set list. So when a song comes up, it's usually, um, a, a cue like Patterson plays about 90% of his songs. He'll start. So that's easy for me. He's setting it up. But with Cooley, I'm, I'm a lot of times starting his songs. And so he has uh, hand signals that he gives us. And so I just got, you know, I don't, a lot of the songs, I don't even know the names of them. I know the hand signal, but I don't even know the name. <laughs> so, Oh, uh, that's funny. Well, so, you know, I know you guys have been in the studio the past couple of weeks, um, just, mm-hmm. just through following, you know, Patterson's social media, like Instagram and stuff. And, you know, he, he made the comment, we're finally doing a record in Memphis, um, mm-hmm. you know, so, and again, you know, you don't have to give anything away. I'm not really looking for a scoop, but, you know, he used the terms dark, um, moody. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the recording you've been doing here the last couple of weeks uh, it's just a really sad jazz record okay no no i'm just kidding it's, um, <laughs> no it, it's it's dark um it's 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 definitely different than any truckers record we've done um i, I don't ever remember of us having such a good time in the studio we got a lot of work done i mean we, we just you know wake up go in, uh, see what we're going to do for the day and get it done. And whatever time we got left over, you know, we'd, we'd probably work from like noon to 10 o'clock at night. Um, but the vibe of that studio, the Sam Phillips studio was really cool. I like going into studios to have vibes that just, when you walk in, you just feel like, Oh my God, so many people have played in this room. The, at that studio, the, uh, 
drum box where all these drummers play in. I don't know. I usually set up in the middle of the floor. That's and, and so this time what we did is I set my normal setup in the middle of the floor and then I set up a kind of like a kick and snare hi hat crash cymbal in the sm- in the drum room. And so when I they would play a song that I haven't really heard or you know we haven't played it yet, I would just let them play through it a little bit and then I would try to figure out which drum set I wanted to put on. You know, if it was a rocker, I'd get on the big kit. If it was, you know, like a, a Moody's, you know, 6-8 kind of song or something, and then I'd switch to the smaller kit. And I use these, like, whacker sticks kind yeah. of things. Yeah, sure. But I, but I cut off about about an inch off the tip um, with a hacksaw. And, you know, you know, you play those things, they're really long. Yeah, it just kind of—it's not really that much fun. But if you cut some inches off of it, it becomes more like a, a stick, you know. And it just—you could really lay into the snare, or you can hit the crash cymbal, and it really actually makes a sound instead of just a little ting sound. And it just—you know—you can really, you know, a dark crash. It sounds really cool. Right. Um, the hi hats—they they make make them sound real meaty. But if it's a softer song, it still sounds cool, almost like electronic in a way. Um. But that that was fun on this on this um, session. We we were only there for seven days, I guess, and we did fourteen songs. Oh wow! Okay, so you guys yeah. were getting it done. Yeah, but it was really quick. I mean, as far as the songs, I, I mean, they'll be working on something else from the last song that we just played, and then I would just pace the hallways, and I've got another song that we're about to do in my head. So for about an hour, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do different that I, you know. I, make sure I don't do something I've done on the past 12 albums, you know? So I'm just kind of just trying to figure out, I've got playing the song in my head. It's just like, and then I'll finally go in there, but I don't like to just sit in there and play this song for 30 minutes or an hour, you know, over and over. And we've never been like that anyway, but it's just like, I go in and then I'm ready to play it. Like as soon as I sit down, I'm roll tape. Cause I'm ready to play this song. And a lot of times it's, you know, first, second take. I think we actually, two songs came off the demo that we did before we went into Memphis. But, you know, we it's like when a song is born, that's when I love playing to the song, like for the recording. And it's like, all right, I just gave birth to the drum part on this song. Um, yeah, that's, that's past, a great it, feeling. In the past, it used to be just like, hey, we're, we're on the road. So, you know, sound check, we would work on the song or not even that. We would just play it that night, you know, for the first time and, and just keep playing it on tour. And we come off tour and then we record the record, you know, um, and we let the fans, you know, the crowd kind of see how this song's going. If it's a song that everybody's really loving, we're like, oh, this will be great on the record. Um, yeah. It's just always different it's just it just it's never really the same kind of you know way of doing the albums or the songs or anything but this 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 one man it was really fun i, I really got into it well some great I, songs i mean they, they wrote some really great songs for this record and, and I, presumably it's going to be the same kind of mix between patterson hood songs and mike cooley songs you know 50 50 60 40 kind of thing um, yeah, actually, and even uh, Matt Patton, the bass player, he's um, Patterson wrote the song, and he it was a high register for singing, and uh, he was like, Matt, you want to, you know, Matt's got the punk rock kind of voice, and so like, you want to sing it? Matt went out of his car and listened to the song, came back and nailed it. Like it was just such a cool rocker, you know. Um, That's you know, cool. Matt, he, yeah, he owns a studio in Memphis, so he's always in the studio. So he's he's just you know he's a pro. Um, I don't know. It, it was it was a really good time. Yeah, well, well, one of the photos that I saw coming out of those sessions, I'd say it was a fun time. And I have to ask you about this, but I saw a drive-by truckers group photo with Sir Mick Jagger standing in the studio with you guys. <laughs> How, oh yeah, you know because oh, he's I, a huge, huge I, fan. He's, he's <laughs> wanting to know if we want tour with them or something well yeah you know i was i was just gonna say because i know when i'm in the studio recording mick jagger stops by often you know so yeah yeah. it's something you get used to no no it wasn't he he showed up uh they're doing a sam phillips movie and i think he's the executive producer on it and so he stopped in to him and the writers and some of the producers came and checked out the studio we didn't know when this was going on we were in there tracking or not even they were like overdubbing something and all of a sudden, you know, all this happened. I was just eating lunch, sitting there, um, 
And I look up, and it's Mick Jagger poking his head <laughs> through the door going, how you doing? And, I mean, I've got like a greasy BLT in my hand. And I know he's not going to shake my hand or anything. But, you know, he's like, oh, I'll let you get back to eat, you know, and he takes off. And and there's no, you know, it's like, what is going on here? Why is Mick Jagger here? And so, uh, yeah, so that was like 15 minutes of being a little schoolgirl. Um well, yeah. Yeah, uh, you know, you don't, you don't ever expect something. I mean, it's like if you were sitting at home and all of a sudden Mick Jagger pokes his head around the corner and you're, it just, it was too surreal. Uh, I mean, I can only imagine. You know, I mean, uh, did he hang out for any time at all, or was it was it a no, whirlwind? No, he, he, he was a whirlwind. He was just uh, walking around, checking out some stuff. Um, I think they might have listened to a song that was recorded there or something many years ago, or, and then you know he walking out and Patterson, we, we were like, man, we got to get a picture with him. You know, it's just, we've got to do this. And Patterson asked him, like, you mind if we take a picture with you? So that's fantastic. Um, I mean, I, I can, yeah. I can just only imagine, you know, I mean, I, and I'm assuming that the session for the rest of the afternoon was, was probably pretty spirited. Actually. Yeah. Well, I think we nailed like three songs after we left. <laughs> <laughs> we were just like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, leave some mojo behind you there, Mick. Yeah, he left a lot. Yeah, well, that's that's awesome. Well, you know, the last record, um, which was American Band, that that came out back in late 2016, um, it, it was a little bit of a departure, and I think Patterson kind of put on his political hat for for a lot of his writing there, and it really Definitely. reflected the stuff that was going on here in the in the states at that time. Is the new record, is it a continuation of some of those themes or is it going to be a little different? I would, it's not so blatant of a political song. You know, there's probably maybe two or three that are really political that I've noticed. You know, I'm not, I'm not one on, or I'm more of the vibe of a song. That's, that's what I like. Um, and then I'll get to the lyrics. Um, sometimes the lyrics help when, you know, you, you know, slam door slams and you do a, snare drum thing for a slam, you know, slamming a door or something, you know, stuff like that. But with this listening to all these songs that we just did, it doesn't really seem like that much of a political record. It's, it's just dark. It's more of just kind of back to the way we, that they used to write songs. Um, it's, I don't know, it doesn't seem as political, but you know, it's, the the political ones definitely uh, send a message. Sure. Well, I mean, and I think, you know, the the truckers writing over the years, I mean, I I own every record, you know, I'm I'm an unabashed fan of the truckers and and I don't mind saying that. And I'm a huge fan of of Jason Isbell and his band. You know, I mean, I I followed Jason after after he left the truckers, you know, and there's just something about the writing that speaks to guys from the south. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what it is, but, um, you know, uh, just the writing that Patterson does uh, and Cooley, for that matter, it just has this great Southern, um, you know, it, darkness is the right word, but it, it's kind of tongue in cheek and, and lighthearted at the same time. Like if you're from the mm-hmm. South, you can understand where the, the dark undertone comes from, but we're all mm-hmm. just kind of, you know, laughing at it at the same time, you know, saying, well, you know, he really nailed that, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, um, so over your, you've been in the band now, I, I want to say getting close to 19 years, 20 years. Uh. 20 years. Yeah. So in the 20 years that, that you've been out there, how much has changed, you know, with, with the crowd? I mean, obviously the crowds have gotten much bigger over the years, but do you see any, you know, monumental shift in what the truckers are doing and the reception to the truckers? I mean, there was a backlash from the political thing, but you know, we just didn't care. We still don't care, but it, it you know, it can't, it's come back around where people kind of, yeah. I think they're there mostly just for the show and chasing songs that we might play. Um, you know, there's probably 200 songs and, you know, we can't play the, you know, every night, those songs, all of them, you know, so a lot of people just keep coming to, to hopefully we'll play, you know, panties in your purse or something. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Uh, the fans though, they're, they've been great. They've always stuck with us and, you know, 
the fans that we do lose, the ones that you read, you know, trolling like stupid stuff. It's just, you know, that's just somebody on the toilet that morning that thinks that everybody should hear what they think, you know, yeah, that's the case. Just once you write a book or an album about it. But, uh, I just, I really hate social media. Um, but it's with, I don't know. It's just the world's really messed up. <laughs> it's everything's upside down. And, I, you know, it's hard to believe that some of the songs that, that Patterson wrote years ago are still relevant today that people have not woken up to how the bad, bad the world can be. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, he, he and Cooley both, I mean, you know, I go back to, um, you know, uncle Frank, by Cooley, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. some, um, you know, professor of Southern studies basically said Mike Cooley took the entire, you know, New Deal and the Tennessee Valley Authority and summarized it perfectly in a three and a half minute song, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know it's got to be pretty cool to hear things like that and to be a part of a band that is so relevant. And even the stuff that came out 18, 19 years ago still speaks and and screams volumes today. Yeah. It's kind of weird how that's still happening. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I love being in this band. This is when, I mean, I was the, I was one of the fans, like there's people out there in the front row that used to be me for two years. I mean, I chased this band around. I, I, I mean, you know, I, might have, I, I knew Patterson. I was friends with Patterson. I was friends with people in the band. But it was more than that. It was the way that he wrote, the way Cooley wrote, and, and the way they performed together. And it's just something I saw that I've never seen in another band that I've been around or in or anything. So it was refreshing to actually be a part of that and see that. Because, you know, you're in a band, and, and people have their own lives and, and their own agendas and but with this band it's just always been a family and and everybody we just love what we do everybody loves the songs i mean you know i I love seeing people singing and and just you know even somebody forgets a lyric there's somebody on the front row that knows it right (laughs) so you know well in in that family atmosphere you know one of the things that that you know, I want to ask you about all the guys in the band call you the easy B, you know, uh-huh. and I know that that, you know, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. That's why I'm asking. But you kind of take on the role as the band psychologist, right? I mean, you're the you're the uh-huh. peacemaker uh, and, and keeping everybody on the same page. How did you get the nickname easy B and talk a little bit about your role as as the the band psychologist? <laughs> Well, Easy B came up because um, in Athens when I was playing with, you know, there was a, like eight of us that played in several bands that we all had together. And one day we're getting drunk and high and, and everybody's like, oh, we got to come up with some rap names. It's like, you know, mid-90s. And so everybody's coming up with rap names and there was already another B in the group. So, I, you know, they started calling me Easy B because I was so laid back, you know. Right. And... But then it just kind of stuck once I got in the truckers, too, because then, you know, I was, you know, even on the road and stuff. If I wasn't drumming, I would probably gone into psychiatry because I just find human nature fascinating and how people are. And and the funny thing is, I don't like people. I don't like crowds. I don't, (laughs) you know, I don't go out. I, I, you know, I just rather be home with my family or be on the road with my band, my other family. But it's, you know, it's just too much for me to deal with. I'd rather just, uh, hell, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's all good, man. Well, you know, one of the things, uh, you know, the, the one time that you and I did get to hang out for a little bit, one of the things that I noticed was in the hospitality area at the festival we played together, you guys did sit down and eat your meal that night as, as a group, you know, I mean, everybody was there. Um, the crew included, it was a very family oriented type of meal. And, you know, you were very gracious. You came over and introduced yourself to my daughter who was with me, you know, on on that festival. She's a big truckers fan as well, you know, so, but it was just, 
I don't know. It, it's something different than I that I don't see with other bands as they're on the road. It's like everybody goes their own way, and I'll meet you on the stage at eight forty five or whatever. You know, so right, yeah. it, it, it's different for you guys, right? Well, I mean, for twenty years we've been living on the road as either four to five people to up to ten people, and all those those are big personalities. A lot of people and a lot of crew guys they have big personalities. Um, it's been very important to us and me, especially, um, uh, cause I've, I take a very big interest is, is the crew and the band, you know, we're all one big family. We're out there to do a job. It's just what we're here to do. We all should get along. We all hang out together. It's just, you know, yeah, we go out for family dinners. Um, you know, we're all really good friends and I like to keep it that way because it just makes everybody's life on the road easier. In 20 years, I have seen some messed up stuff from band members or crew members that just, you, you, you can't work that way. You just, it's, it's not fun for anybody. It's like when you wake up in the morning on a bus and you're just like, ah, what was going to happen today? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. or you're mad at somebody, you know, and you're just like, oh, I can't stand this person. Why are they here? You know, kind of a thing. And, but now, I mean, past couple of years, we've, we've kept it to where the crew and band, I mean, everybody's just having fun, just, you know, happy to be doing what they do and what they love doing. Well, I mean, that's certainly a blessing as, as much as you guys are on the road. I mean, you, you guys are yeah. doing, you know, 200, 250 dates a year, uh, right? I mean, am I close? Yeah, pr- pretty close. I mean, probably 200 shows and then you got all the travel days and... Yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of time away from home and away from your family. So, you know, I I know how difficult that is. So if it's fun to be gone from your family, you know, if you can have some fun, it makes it worthwhile, certainly. Yeah. And then we all we got we're pretty good. We got young kids, you know, Um, know, I think 15 might be the oldest kid in, in our group. So, you know, we got young families and we're not really on the road that much. It seems like we are. I mean, we only, we'll do like three weeks on and a couple of weeks off or we'll do weekend stuff. Um, but lately, you know, the past couple of years, we've kind of slowed it, slowed it down a little bit. Uh, just cause you, you know, you gotta be home, you know, there's first day of school, there's Halloween, there's, you know, stuff you want to do with your kids and you don't, you don't want to turn around and like, why didn't I do all this with my kids? We didn't. You know. Right. It's it's very balancing all that is 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 a, is it, it can be difficult, but luckily it works out for us pretty good. Our families are very supportive too because they you know they love what we do and and uh, and they get to come out every once in a while, so that's fun too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, one of the things that we that we haven't touched on that that I'm kind of curious about, who were some of your big influences growing up? You know, I, I can probably guess a few, but, um, you know, tell our crowd a little bit about what you listen to coming up as a young drummer. Well, every Sunday I would listen to the Casey Casey Top 40. That was my thing. I would get up in the morning and, you know, my, my family would let me play drums on Sunday. Um so I would just play, you know, case to case and stuff and whatever. And I wasn't a big, like, I didn't buy records and stuff. I had records from my sister that, you know, she was done with it. But I, I, to this day, I still love eighties music. I love the drums. I can hear a snare drum on a song and I can tell what, you know, what decade it came from. Um, but I kind of just grew up on, on all the eighties drummers. Uh, especially the uh, metal drummers before it got to the, you know, super fast metal drumming. It was, you know, more of the glam rock drumming scorpions or uh, mostly uh, um, Iron Maiden. Uh, Nico McBrain was like a, you know, that, that was, that was my jam. And to this day, I still, like, if I'm going to practice, uh, I'll just put on a, on a Iron Maiden record. Cause you know, there's, there's fun parts to figure out, especially yeah. when I've been working on it since I was 15. Yeah, for sure. But, uh, and then later, um, especially once I joined the band, I really got into Roger Hawkins um, from the Muscle Shoals. Yeah, of course. Uh, rhythm section and uh, just and how he recorded and, and how they did that every day. I mean, they would get up, go to work. I mean, it was a job to them. They'd go in for eight hours a day recording songs, and they didn't know this song was going to be a number one hit next week. You know, it's like. And then, you know, they turn around and they've got all these number one hit songs, you know, so, and all these different artists and 
just learning the history of all that. Um, Steve Jordan, uh, uh, he's he's something else. I just love watching him play. I got to last year. I think it was the Americana Music Awards. He played drums. And so I just like snuck around to the back corner of the stage and like peered through the curtain just to watch him play. You know, it was just to be that close to him and, and just to see what he does. It was pretty inspiring. Yeah. He's a monster. It, monster. Yeah. Just a monster. And, 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 and my kind of way, not, he didn't not flashy. He's not just constantly throwing lick after lick out. It's more of just, he's playing to the song and, you know, putting the drums that should be down, even though he's, amazing player and he could you know pop off anything he wanted but he chooses to you know to serve the song and sticks with that keeps it kind of simple yeah his work with keith richards on the you know amazing lino stuff was just bananas yeah Yeah. you know just just great stuff well so you know obviously the the truckers are you know you got a new record that's going to be coming out probably here in the next two, three months, uh, you know, I'm guessing you didn't say that, but I'm guessing you I, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah but I, I'm guessing you guys are pretty quick about getting things mixed and mastered and getting it out to the, to the masses. Um, and, and of course you've got show dates uh, to, you know, tour dates uh, that are up mm-hmm. on the website right now, but you know, what does the, the next five years hold for, for Brad Morgan? Are, are you all in with the truckers? Well, I'm hoping I'm still with the truckers and I'm still playing drums. Yeah. If not, I'm I'm not a really good dishwasher, <laughs> and uh, carpentry doesn't really appeal to me because it's a lot of hard work and and hot. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, you know, I just I don't know. I, you know, five years from now, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, some guys come on and say, "Well, you know, I I've always wanted to, I don't know, you know, cruise the the Thames River or you know whatever like that." I mean, I I think you and I are of the same vintage. You know, I I'm the same way. I'm certainly not doing it on the same level you are, but I just want to play, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and record yeah. as much as I can, you know, that kind of yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the the truckers are. You know, when you think about the legacy, I know you said earlier, I don't really look back all that much. I'm, I'm, I'm always looking forward. But, you know, your place in rock and roll history, I think, is a very unique one. Do you think about the legacy of the band and your playing at all? Or, or are you solely just, yeah, tomorrow's another gig, tomorrow's another session? Um. No, I look back. I mean, sometimes um, it, it's it's good to see. Or you know, even preparing for this, I had to remember some of the stuff that I've done, <laughs> and that, you know, that was interesting. Um, I I don't know. I just uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. Well, you know, I I think. Um, you know, for me, when I listen back to, to old records that I've done, you know, you can listen to it with like a critical ear and say, gosh, I wish I'd have played that so much uh, better. And well, Southern Rock Opera, I, I wish I had better cymbals. Uh, the cymbal sound on that is very weird. Um, and right. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the only thing I'd probably change in the studio. Well, to, to this day, one of my favorite trucker songs is Women Without Whiskey. And I listen to it at least once a week. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great song. It, it is. And the drum sound is just massive. So you, you got to oh. look back on that one and go, wow, yeah, Bonham would be proud. <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, he'd probably he'd probably roll over in his grade doing a triplet roll or something. Oh, uh, no, no. I, I, can't play. No, I don't think that's the case at all. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, I think the 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 cool thing about you guys is, is the fact that you've always stayed in touch with your fans and you didn't turn into something that you're not, you know what I mean? It's like, Oh yeah, definitely. If I hear a brand new song that has never been played anywhere before, I can immediately go, Oh, that's the truckers. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, we definitely have a, uh, we have a certain sound and I don't, I, I guess it's the sound is just us playing together. You know, that we're not very, you know, we, we play, we play songs, you know, and we're not just, we're not, there's no click track. There's no, like, you know, on stage or anything like that. It's just, you know, ever how we feel 
is how the, I mean, I, I play air, all those songs. I never play the same. I'm always switching it up in some way. Um, well, you know, a lot of times I just don't even remember what I might have played on that record 10 years ago. You know? <laughs> right. If we haven't, you know, played this song in a long time, Patterson or Cooley just pop up with a song that we haven't played in a long time. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe I've got a new way of doing this. And, and that keeps it kind of fresh. And, but I don't really spend a lot of time going back and listening to old records unless it's a song that I don't remember if it comes up that we might want to play this song or something. And so then I'll just YouTube it and find the song somewhere. And, learn it again sure do you, but we, in the recording you know we do it so fast and you know you know you play the song and then you're you're moving on to the next song and unless you just you know before a tour of a new record i'll sit down and and make sure i'm doing the same parts or something or try to figure out what i might have done in the spur of the moment at that point is you know Right. The, or the ha the happy accident that you're trying to recreate. Yeah. I, that, that's, yeah. And there's understand that. thousands of those on every yeah. recording I've ever oh. done. You know, it's like, well, how did I do that? You know, it's right. Yeah. Like, was, yeah. <laughs> I just slipped up somewhere and then this is a cool lick. I like this. All right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's never planned. Um, you know, and I want to be respectful of your time. Uh, and as we wrap up, a couple of things that I do want to touch on. Do you have a favorite drive-by truckers record? If you said this is the one record I want you to listen to and you'll understand the essence of my drumming, which one would it be? Probably the big to do. Okay. I really like what I was doing on drums there, um, especially um, the Flying Lewindas. Yeah. That one, uh, there was a lot of you know, buzz rolls. I was using 18 inch cymbals or hi hats on that, and it was just uh, that was a fun track to do. Cool. Uh, a lot of the, uh, the sadder ones, like you know, we've had some some crew members die uh, over the past couple of years, and we've Patterson's written songs, you know, kind of about a couple of them, and you know, when recording those songs, I get very emotional about it, and. Like um, Grand Canyons on a couple records past, you know, a good friend of ours, our merch guy, and you know, guy around town that was everybody loved. He suddenly died while we were doing our three night stand here in Athens, and so like the next week or second week, I think we were in the studio um, doing demos, and we the Grand Canyon was the song about our, our, our friend Craig. And you hear me like grunting and moaning and stuff like that. And during the song, and that's just an emotional response to my friend being dead in this song, you know, being about him. And we did that track and we go back, you know, to record the record, you know, some time later. And I was like, you know, I could do this song again, but that track that I did that day was, you know, that was my keeper. That was, you know, that was me pouring every emotion I had into the song. And, I, I love that. I just hate that it's, it's a lot of times it's sad. Yeah. But, I, I, you know, getting, I love just like the, I love songs and they could be as cheesy as possible, but if it's just something that strikes a chord with me, I can listen to them forever. And, yeah. you know, like you know, guilty pleasure kind of stuff. Sure. Well, I mean, I mean, I think we all have them too. Um, Brad, one of our traditions here on the Drum Shuffle is we always ask our, our guests to share a good piece of advice. Um, you know, you've had just an, an awesome 20 year run with the truckers. Uh, you know, share a piece of advice for other musicians, other drummers that you've picked up over the years. Well, if you're a touring drummer, that seems to be the hardest thing is being on the road every night away from home. You don't, you know, like, where am I going to poop? Where am I going to sleep? Kind of a thing. Have a sleeping bag with, with foam in it. That'll change your world. Um, <laughs> another thing, make sure you don't go home with, uh, like, you know, a lot of times we would be like a blast from the stage. Like, Hey, anybody got a, you know, a place for us to stay tonight and you know, have a couple of people come up. Yeah, you can stay with me. Da, da. Just make these, make sure these people like coked out of their mind. Cause then you, you're going <laughs> to have one eye open all night. Cause they're just going to be either talking to you or just staring at you all night. And both those <laughs> things have happened a lot. Um, and another thing is uh, play Tetris. If you're uh, in a van or a trailer, play Tetris until you can't play it no more. Cause when you load that trailer or that van, you're going to get everything in there just where it's supposed to go. 
Now, see, that is useful advice. Play Tetris because, (laughs) you know, if if you stay at someone's house and they have a a big dog, you're going to be licked and smelt forever because you're on the road and you've got a thousand different smells on you or if there's a cat i've had cats jump on my balls in the middle of the night just, you know like you're sleeping on the floor they 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 jump off a table or something um, or you wake up in the morning there's a dog licking your face it's <laughs> beware of the uh, guest house pets right <laughs> definitely yeah. that is mess your morning up. that is fantastic brad man thanks so much for coming on our show we really do appreciate it um well, thanks Jim. yeah absolutely uh you're welcome here anytime uh guys look for the new record it'll be out uh here in the next couple a couple to three months uh, is our best guess at this point but go see the truckers uh, on the road they just put on a heck of a show brad thank you so much brother well i appreciate it jamie yes thank sir you. we'll talk to you all real right. soon i right, appreciate it sir all right everybody that's gonna do it for episode 36 of the drum shuffle many thanks to brad morgan for taking time out of his uh time away from the road he doesn't get a whole lot of it but he did take some time to uh, come on the show and we will have him back uh sometime real soon uh again just a great guy thank you so much for tuning in we sincerely cannot do any of this without every single one of you listening. Many thanks to my uh, sponsor, Los Cabos Drumsticks. Um, please keep your emails coming to us. We love hearing from you throughout the week. The Drum Shuffle Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. Of course, our web address is thedrumshuffle.com, and you can find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using today to listen in. You're not going to want to miss any of our upcoming episodes. Next week, I'm going to be joined by the great John Aldridge. Uh, If you've ever seen one of those beautiful engraved uh, Ludwig Black Beauty snare drums, chances are it passed through John's hands. Uh, He is also uh, the drum tech for one of our former guests, Brian Hitt from REO Speedwagon. So we'll be joined by John next week. Uh, Wonderful conversation forthcoming, I'm sure. So until next time, may your heads stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers. Cheers.